This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Take a listen today as I talk to Amanda Brinkman, the Chief Brand and Communications Officer at Deluxe. She helps small businesses succeed in social media and beyond, and she also has had an incredible career of bringing innovation internal to brands. Take a listen. Welcome, Amanda, to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on. And I would love to start uh, with the story of your career and how you've gotten to where you are today as the Chief Brand and Communications Officer at Deluxe. How'd you get there? Well, you know, I actually started out on the advertising agency side, which was such a fun way to start in a place of creativity. So I started at Conan Wolf in London when I was studying abroad, and then I came back to Minneapolis, which is where I'm from, and worked at Campbell Methune for a few years and really learned the basics of account management and the great ways to infuse strategy into um, creative work. And then I had the opportunity to go to Fallon, um, an ad agency, and work on BMW, which was great. We were doing really progressive stuff at the time, and uh, Fallon is an amazing agency. So I had a really good run there. And um, at the end of my time at Fallon, I was running uh, what we called at the time the interactive group, <laughs> which would maybe now be called the digital group, but now it should just be called you know, the creative group. But, the group. Uh, <laughs> just the, the group. group. Exactly. Just the group. Uh, but, you know, this is back in the day, so we, we, we still had silos in the agency world. Uh, and then I uh, was recruited over to the corporate side, which I was always a bit curious about. I wanted to, to see what it was like on my, you know, I'd been serving clients from the agency perspective for so long. It was fun to see what it would be like on the corporate side. And so United Health Group called and they wanted to build an internal agency. And so for me, that was a great opportunity to, um, you know, still stay really close to the creative product, but learn the business. And so we built out a group and it was um, going really well. We were saving the company a lot of money. That's why they wanted to build an internal resource. Mm. Um, and then as we were building it, you know, we realized as a healthcare company, we were communicating quite a bit with the end consumer, but it was a bit disjointed. It was coming from product groups or different communications groups or the employers um, themselves were communicating with their employees about their health benefits. And I just felt like we could apply our marketing skill set and creativity to making those communications more engaging, a little bit more clear. And uh, this was actually at the time when high deductible plans were just starting to come into fashion for mm-hmm. employers. Um, it was a way for them to to share those healthcare costs with their employees. And so um, we felt like we could use creativity to help people make better health decisions. And perhaps that would be a way that employers could save even more money. You know, if they had a healthier employee population, in theory, that would reduce their healthcare costs overall. And so we started uh, developing consumer engagement campaigns around healthy choices. And Mm. now that's very common, but we really created a category around consumer engagement and employer health programs and uh, 
uh, health incentive programs. And so I was very proud to show how our craft of, of branding and marketing creativity could actually create a product category and in the end was doing good for people. It was helping people uh, lead healthier lives. I, I called it the nice end of healthcare. Um, and that was an awesome experience. We, we called the group Carrot because everything we were doing was motivation-based. Wow. And that was great. Um, and then I moved on to Allianz, um, a financial services company, and I spent some time at General Mills. And in both of those environments, really helping um, you know build these internal creative groups that could uh, not just save the company money, but but really help infuse creativity and strategy through creativity from the inside out. And that was really fun. And then about two and a half years ago, Deluxe called, and the opportunity was to turn around a 100-year-old brand. And I like a challenge. <laughs> so now I am here. Wow. And so quick question for you on internal creative groups. So I love, I actually, especially as for myself as a small business owner, I totally get uh, the focus on promoting health for employees in general or for the consumer population because a high deductible plan really benefits everybody in terms of if they're healthy, then it all works out beautifully. Um, how do you get the level of innovation internally? How did you keep the sort of, you know, I know you talked about with the agencies, when you're on the agency side, you work with a lot of different clients, you get a lot of different creative energy. People talk about that on the show all the time. And when you move internally, sometimes you end up getting siloed. I love the concept of building the internal agency. How did you keep the creativity going without getting kind of stuck in a, a shift into the brand side of culture. Sometimes people talk about when they go into a more corporate culture, they lose that energy, they lose that. Um, but it sounds like you really did an amazing job in building these internal struct and these internal teams that kept that innovation up. Any insight on on for brands who are listening on how to do that? Yeah, well, well, thank you for the compliment, and I, I it's a very insightful question because that is exactly the risk of building an internal team is that. You know, corporate cultures are different. There's bureaucracy, there's process, there's all these things, and there's plenty of good reasons for them, but they sure are creativity killers um, and, and, and create kind of risk aversion in people. And so for me, it was a couple of things. One, it was understanding my role as a leader. And as I was bringing in creative people into United Health Group or into Allianz, it was really important that I play the role of kind of Defending seems a bit aggressive, but but cocooning them or protecting them from some mm. of the things that can be corporate reality. So so I needed to go to to the long meetings in the boardroom. I needed to protect them from knowing this process or, or that process, so that they could you know stay creative. I had to go and fight for funding or or fight for the campaigns in order to allow them to still feel like they were in an environment where that was protected. And so while it, it's hard to change an entire culture, United Health Group is a huge company. Yes, of course. Um, I could at least protect, you know, my, my group of 150 or so. You know, that, that was easier to, to maintain uh, the kind of culture that I wanted to create. And, and one that I thought was a little bit more agency-like, you know, just mm -hmm. that creativity and that innovation. And then really slowly over time, other groups start to notice and say, well, you're group is doing really creative things or, or that was really innovative or they're very service oriented. We were getting all sorts of great feedback internally. And so we just started kind of sharing some of the ways we were approaching process. We were never breaking the rules and we were always, you know, being compliant, but we were, we were making sure that we we're having fun, you know, and making sure that we were uh, letting that creativity thrive. And so I think it's really up to the leader of that kind of a group to, to create an environment 
within their team where they still can feel like they're coming to work every day and being allowed to take risks and be creative. So almost like a a protected space of innovation. If you think yes, I, I'm exactly. picturing you like wrapping exactly. a cocoon around them, like okay, we are going to innovate in this space here and make it amazing. I I love that. I love it. Well, and some of it comes down to you just use the word space, but it actually does come down to the physical. Space I agree. Too. I mean, that was probably the hardest thing in the corporate environment is is how do you create an environment that people are inspired by, and you know, in in a corporate environment there's other things to, to protect from a financial perspective. So maybe, you know, um, it's more important to uh, protect jobs than to create a really creative space for people to work in. So how can you get, no pun intended, but creative with creating an inspirational space for your employees? And um, I've been able to do that in, in the three environments I've, I've been in where that was a challenge. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's kind of a slow process, but it's really about selling the rest of the organization on, you know, to foster creativity. People really need to feel inspired by their environment and the space they're in. And so tell me the skills that the agency side taught you versus the skills that the brand side taught you. I think it's so interesting for some of our younger listeners who are looking at where do they go? And so many people say start at agency because it's so creative. I'd I'd love to hear the skills you learned at agency versus the skills you learned at brand. Oh, another great question. So um, I really felt like for me, starting on the agency side and then moving to corporate gave me a unique and I think the best perspective just because in the agency world, you're it not only is it really fast paced, you're working really hard, but you're close to trends, you're close to creativity. And so you just start out your career just believing that that is how you're supposed to think. You're supposed to always be trying to solve problems and do things in a service oriented mindset, get things done quickly and well. And so those are skills that are are transferable in any environment, but can really help kind of give you a trajectory into the corporate world because you have a little bit more of a of a perspective of that there are, you know, pools of creativity in other places. I think if you were to start in a corporate environment, you might limit yourself because of maybe those you work around or the kind of process that exists there. But if you start out kind of in a more creative environment, you kind of carry that with you. And so from the industry side, I definitely learned, you know, the art of, I hate the word selling, but um, the art of bringing people along and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, convincing them of, of maybe the, the merits of an idea. Or persuasion. Persuasion, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, really. persuasion. Yep. Much, yep, it's persuasion. It's you're passionate about an idea and how to make that idea come to life. And yes, totally. Yes, absolutely. And then and just creativity and being hungry for yeah. good work. Um, and that, that things like branding matter and color choices matter and imagery matters, those kinds of things. And then, you know, and, and really that service orientation too. I was an account person on the agency side and it was really about thinking about things before your clients needed them and giving them everything they needed to be successful in a meeting or when they were about to go and persuade someone, you know, really equipping them with the right argument. And then in the corporate environment, you know, it, it's really been more about understanding you know, again, from the marketing side, the holistic brand influence. I love that if I feel, if I get a, a piece of direct mail um, from our from ourselves in the mail, I know who to go to down the hall and say, oh, this is creating an inconsistent brand experience. Or if I, you know, do some ghost calling into our call center and I 
hear, you know, certain verbiage being used that isn't necessarily on script with some of our new branding, perhaps. I know who to call about that. When you're on the agency side, you're really only, li- you're, you're very limited to just what your client is exposing you to. Yes. When you're on the corporate side, you have the ability to affect everything that has to do with the brand experience. You still have to lead with influence and you still have to convince people to allow you to be in those conversations and, and the merits of, of why you want them to, to maybe change something. But uh, you just are able to affect more holistically. Absolutely. I think one of the things that is a common complaint within agencies is that they don't always get, depending on where you are and what level and what you're doing, uh, exposure to the broader business as a whole. You know, you're in your your area, but really can't really get to every single department in every area it can be very, very challenging. So I think you're you're right with that in terms of direct exposure and, and certainly direct accountability is a is a great thing. I'm working on the brand side. So tell me a little bit about what is it, I see a very interesting parallel between what Deluxe does for small businesses and what you did for the brand sides with building in these kind of internal teams, because, uh, you know, small businesses can't always afford to hire out these, you know, huge, huge organizations. And so I love sort of the mission of Deluxe and what you do and that you're reinventing this hundred plus year old brand. So tell me a little bit about what Deluxe does. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about those parallels, because I think it's kind of awesome. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Uh, so Deluxe is a, is a 100-year-old company. So since 1915, we have really been in the business of helping small businesses and financial institutions you know, be successful. And our main core business or our, our legacy business was really in the check printing space. So we're the largest check printer in the U.S. And we have a lot to be proud of. We created much of the way the U.S. Uh, still moves money today. But obviously, as, as checks have started to decline on the personal side, we've been looking at other other avenues for our growth as a company. Checks are still something we do, but we wanted our growth to be focused on something more forward of course. looking. And so we looked at, you know, what are the kind of things that we are, are good at and what are, who do we work with? What could, you know, we continue to grow in? And one of the things we noticed about 10 years ago is, first of all, we loved working with small businesses and we were already helping them with the operate their side of the business, their checks and their business forms. But we really noticed that a lot of our clients were struggling with the marketing side. You alluded to it earlier, but it's, it's hard for a small business to stay on top of their social media, their website, their um, uh, search rankings, all that kind of stuff is, is not usually why someone starts a business. Very few entrepreneurs get into business for themselves because they cannot wait to tackle keywords <laughs> and, and figure out SEO on their site Absolutely. or you know, know where to go to get their business cards printed or yep. how to design a logo. So we said we can help them with that piece of it so that they can focus on doing what they love and why they ran the business. So about 10 years ago, we started building out and acquiring different businesses that now allow us to offer a full suite of marketing services to small businesses. And we're the only ones who do that. We have plenty of competitors and individual verticals, but no one can can do everything start to finish. So we can help you design your your brand. We can help you design um, your logo, your website, secure your domain get your email marketing up and running, print your business card, the bags you you know you give your goodies away at in, in your bakery or whatever it happens to be. So everything start to finish we can do. And so for us, it's been really rewarding because, again, we, we love helping small businesses just focus on, on doing what they love and taking over that, that marketing piece for them and being a partner um, with them so that they can be great at running their business. And see, the similarity I see is that you know, you're, you're in an industry here with Deluxe that was kind of disrupted, right? So, you know, they're all going to online banking, all of these things. The checks are still there, but less so. 
And you very quickly looked at how you could internally service the group that was already there. To me, I, I see such a parallel. I'm, I'm interested in how you currently and over time as you did this got new customers was it that you went for the existing people who used deluxe checks did you go out and and reach new customers using your own marketing tactics how did you how did you shift perception that you were more than just check a check company yeah well that's the ongoing journey that we're on so um we actually still have very low brand awareness mm-hmm. that we we do the marketing piece of it Though we work with four and a half million small businesses wow. uh, on marketing, wow. so you know it's uh, you know some of those some of that growth came through the acquisitions. So customers came, you know, we, we acquired Vertical Response and Orange Soda, and um, PS Print and a variety of different brands to build out our portfolio. And I love Orange Soda, by the way. I love them. We are, oh. yeah, we were on the Inc. 500 together when we um, oh. back in the day, many oh. years ago. I met them; they were lovely. So. Wonderful. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I love um, them. Small world. Um, and so, so some of it came through that. Um, some of it came through cross-sell of, of checks into marketing. And some of it has come through kind of direct response and demand gen growth as well. Um, you know, uh, approaching people who are opening LLCs or, or different things where you can tell people are um, or targeting small businesses, things like that. And then, uh, you know, that's really the challenge at, at my feet when I joined a little bit over two years ago was, you know, how do you change those brand perceptions? Mm. And we were not going to invest a lot in brand awareness. We we invest quite a bit in direct response and demand gen, but not very much in brand awareness. And so we had to be really scrappy about how we did that. Wow. So that's really interesting. Well, it makes sense, though, if you acquired the companies to do it, that they also um, kind of helped do that. And doing a an overarching brand awareness campaign, you probably did have to be really smart because you have all of these companies that do these different pieces, uh, you probably have that. They all have their own brand identities too. Like uh, how I knew Orange Soda immediately when you said it, was, that's, that was really interesting. Did they keep their own brand presence or did they come under the deluxe name? So we are in the midst of a brand migration with them. So mm. it makes sense to have a collective one name brand, but yep. to your point, some of them had brand equity. And so we've had to be very careful about how quickly we migrate those brands and which ones we migrate when and so we've, we're on a journey. Um, so we've identified a, a roadmap for all of the brands to, to um, be called Deluxe. So, you know, eventually instead of it be calling, being called like Vertical Response, a Deluxe company, it'll be called Deluxe Email Marketing. But there's a transition to that. It won't one day we flip the switch, you know, eventually we'll just flip some of the orders. It'll be Deluxe Vertical Response, you know, um, formerly Vertical Response, something like that. So there's all these different migration paths that we have for each of the brands. But from an overall brand awareness perspective for Deluxe, last year for our 100th anniversary, we launched this documentary series called The Small Business Revolution. And for us, that was really about kind of owning the space of being the people who would stop to celebrate entrepreneurs and the hard work that goes into being a small business owner. And just to really shine a light on how important small businesses are to our communities and to our country and to our economy. That's a perfect example of a scrappy brand awareness play because you're really able to connect with the broader picture of video content around entrepreneurship and and that kind of stuff and and tie it back very nicely. I love and also the brand migration too. All of those brands migrating will help with that as well. So it sounds like you're really doing great stuff. It's wonderful. And Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. So do you find that that for small businesses and then also for you, Deluxe as an organization, do you feel that social media 
is high on their hierarchy of needs or is it lower down? Do smaller businesses still look to sort of the more brick and mortar type advertising or things along those lines, or have they shifted to social because of its uh, ability to be more nimble or any of those things? Oh, this is such an interesting um, line of discussion because we, we talk to business owners about this all the time, but you know, a lot of small business owners will still say that, you know, word of mouth is very important, especially in small communities. Um, And then we also, when we talk about, um, you know, actual marketing uh, techniques, it, it really depends on your vertical. So small business or, you know, small businesses that want to be active in social media, we applaud them for that. And some businesses that makes a ton of sense and others, it's just maybe going to be a lot of, a lot of work for them mm-hmm. and maybe won't kind of advance um, what they're, what they're trying to do. Um, and so we really like to think through social media as a great way for um, people to get in front of uh, new audiences. So we um, work a lot with Robert Hershevac from Shark Tank. Love and Robert Hershevac. Yes. The son of an immigrant won. factory worker. That's what I always think when it, because you know the opening, the opening yes, Shark Tank, they say yes, Robert Hershevac, <laughs> the son of an immigrant factory worker. So it's like drilled into my head, but he's wonderful. Yeah, he is. And so he's he's been working with us a lot on the small business revolution. He loves the movement. He loves the documentary series and, and kind of our, our point of view and the movement we've created. And so recently he asked us to start doing the marketing for the businesses that he invests in on Shark Tank. And one of the businesses is called The Natural Grip, and it's a hand protection um, unit uh, for people who are doing CrossFit or high-intensity fitness routines. Yep. And she was just having a hard time kind of reaching new audiences or, or, or trying to figure out how to get in front of new audiences. And so we helped her use social media to target specific niche markets. So and in ways that she wouldn't have thought of. So we said, you know, people who are, are doing CrossFit may also cross over with an audience uh, in Facebook that is into paleo diets or other high right. intensity fitness yes. lifestyles. There's all these different profiles you can do, right? And so social media was a great way for us to help her target those people um, based on a similar likes and things that would overlap with people who are into high intensity fitness. And so social media was a perfect opportunity for her to reach mm. new audiences and it's been working phenomenally for, for her. And so that's a great example of where social media can be really helpful. You know, another business that we helped Robert with is called Nuts and More, and um, they were having a hard time kind of, you know, with search ranking. And so we said, you know, we just wanted to go in and really help them clean up their pages and their keywords and get their SEO in a great place so that their organic search ranking would improve. So when people are searching for, it's a protein spread um, that they provide. And so, uh, you know, when people are searching for that kind of fitness food, you know, how how can you make sure that you are popping up first? And that was important for two reasons, not because you want to have a great search ranking, not only because of that, but because their margins when they sell direct online are far better than when Correct. they sell through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we want them to be selling more through their website. They want to sell Right. More they want to make more website. money. You want them to make more money. It makes complete sense. Yeah. And so as small business owner, the average one won't stop and think, is there something I could be doing differently in my website so people can find me online better? It, that just one that isn't the natural mindset of an entrepreneur. They're focused on their margins and and where are they getting their where are they sourcing the product from and manufacturing and um, lots of other things. And Absolutely. so we love that's a perfect example of how we love to come in and help them just take a step back and say, you have better margins online. How do we get you found online better? And here's some ways to do it. So awesome. Okay, Amanda, I have the last question for you. 
Oh, it's about okay. you. And it is about your own personal social media usage. You've been in marketing for a long time and you've watched it evolve. How active are you on social media and what is your network of choice? It depends on what I'm going online to do, or I say online, on my phone, I should say. So Facebook for me is personal. Yeah. So I, I think of it only as these are people I would actually mail a photo of my child to. Oh, um, good Or and have test. coffee with. Yes. So, so that's just how I use Facebook. Everyone uses it differently. Um, for me, Twitter, I use it for business. And, and primarily because with the Small Business Revolution, we had a real platform. We had something we were trying to evangelize and spread. We were trying to spread this goodness and this... Um, support of small businesses, compelling people to support small businesses. So for for me, I really became much more active on Twitter once I had that platform to kind of promote this advocacy for small businesses. Um, and then I use LinkedIn a lot um, for, you know, just uh, thought pieces, POVs, campaign updates, things I've learned, you know, um, on the road of the small business revolution or in working with Robert or things like that. Um, and then, you know, I'm on Instagram and I just, I have a, I have a hard time kind of transitioning from Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can accomplish the same thing in Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then I just started doing Snapchat and I cannot <laughs> figure out. Okay. You can't the, get it, right? It's hard. Uh, well, it, the user experience is a little clunky, I well, have to say. Yes. And then I'm like, other than if you're having an affair, like, why would you want, like, why don't I, why must my message be erased? I don't know. I okay. don't really understand it. So. I have to send you this article I wrote, which, which is Snapchat is totally counterintuitive for anyone over the age of 28. And that's exactly why it's brilliant. So there's, it's like, it's so fascinating. This is the first user experience that I actually had to like sit and learn. It was not intuitive to me. There's no words. There's only icons. You swipe, you scroll. It's like, it's really, and they, it disappears. You have no idea what you're doing, but it is very, very important. I think for the future of how, uh, I think how people will experience the internet. So it's not, it's, it's like, I don't even think it's for, even though millennials are using it a tremendous amount, I don't think it matters as much for a millennial. I think it's much more about when Gen Z grows up and like get understanding how they experience the internet in a totally different way. It's bizarre. It's, it's, I could talk I about this all day. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's my biggest piece of advice to anyone who's in marketing. Like, even though I don't find value in using Snapchat personally, I am insisting on figuring it yeah. out because I think it's going to be so important. Same thing with, I was, I was on Twitter for years and I was just using it more to listen and not to post. I'm yep. like, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to, you know, advise these small businesses on, on social media, if I'm going to, um, you know, uh, be a, an executive marketer, right. I need to understand Twitter as a user. There's, it just, and, and so, you know, I, I think it's all about like, you got to jump in, whether or not you want to use them personally as a marketer, you're almost obliged to, be on all of these platforms and, and figure them out. And so for sure, I won't and be, I won't be snapping a lot of people, but I want oh, to make sure you. I understand it. I'm going to, I'm going to snap you a picture from the booth, from the studio. I think okay. that, that'll be perfect. I'm going to snap you right after this. The other thing that for these, these networks and your philosophy about using it and about getting on to use it applies also, I think tremendously for parents because there's so much, I see this all the time. I have a, a um, middle school daughter and I see so much anxiety Charlotte. from parents. Twitter handle. Oh, she does. You know, Charlotte. I love it. And I, she, um, my little Charlotte Kirpin, she, um, uses Snapchat all the time and all of her friends, parents are totally panicked about Snapchat when in reality, they're not using Snapchat because of the erasable feature necessarily. They're just, it's just 
easy and fun for them and very light. And so I talk to a lot of the parents. I actually give a couple of speeches at the PTAs and these things about the only way to feel more comfortable is for you to use it. Like we should all be snapping each other and having these sorts of experiences because once once you take the um, counterintuitiveness out, it eliminates some of the fear, not all of the fear, mm-hmm. but some of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's use it as for marketers, moms and everyone, basically. It's that a, is really good advice yes. I mean, to have parents using it because then it's just, yeah, then it's less intimidating about, you know, why are they using it? How are they? For but sure. Yeah, you know, you're right. Like when I'm in stores and I'll, I'll see kids using it, I say kids, teens using it or whatever. I'll ask them about it and they're like, yeah, it's just, it's because it's fun. It's not yep. because it's erasable. It's like, maybe I want to take a dumb picture, but I don't want it on right. my friend's phone it's a, forever. And it doesn't last forever. I just want to have some fun. Exactly. It allows so them to feel free. there might be something free. to that. They might be right. For sure. <laughs> so. For sure. That's the reason. But that's why it's totally counterintuitive to us and it's exactly what works. So, you know, such is life. All right. So where should people follow you? You want to give me Twitter or LinkedIn and where should they connect with Deluxe too? If people want to learn more about Deluxe. Yes, I would love uh, to connect with people on Twitter. My handle is at AK Brinkman, uh, AK Brinkman. Um, and then LinkedIn, it's Amanda Kaiser Brinkman. But if you search for Amanda Brinkman, it should work. Awesome. And then, um, you know, we'd love for people to follow us uh, uh, at the Small Business Revolution, um, which is on Twitter. It's at SMBizRevolution. Um, and Facebook is Small Biz Rev. And awesome. Instagram is Small Business Revolution. It's hard to get the same handle on all three platforms. And then Deluxe is at Deluxe Corp. Awesome. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, Amanda, it was wonderful to have you on the show today. I learned a lot. Oh, thank you. And we'd also love for people to go check out the documentary and the the short stories we've been telling about small businesses at smallbusinessrevolution.com or .org. .org. (laughs) Smallbusinessrevolution.org. Go there now. Wonderful. Thanks, Amanda, for being on the show. You're one fabulous social lady. Thank you. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.